But can you not say that, sir? The moment you became an inhabitant of France, you are naturally subjected to the French law. I know it, sir, replied Monte Cristo, but when I visit a big country, I begin to study, by all means which are available, the men from whom I may have anything to hope or to fear, till I know them as well as perhaps, as well as, perhaps better than they know themselves. It follows from this that the king's attorney, be he who may, be he who he may, with whom I should have to deal, would assuredly be more embarrassed than I should. That is to say, replied Villefort with hesitation, that human nature being weak, every man, according to your creed, has committed faults. Faults or crimes, responded Monte Cristo with a negligent air, and that you alone, amongst the men whom you do whom you do not recognise as your brothers, for you have said so, observed Villefort in a tone that faltered somewhat. You alone are perfect. No, not perfect, was the Count's supply. Only impenetrable, that's all. But let us leave off this strain, sir, if the tone of it is displeasing to you. I am no more disturbed by your justice than you are by my second sight. No, no, by no means, said Villefort, who was afraid of seeming to abandon his ground. No, by your brilliant and almost sublime conversation, you have elevated me above the ordinary level. We no longer talk, we rise to dissertation. But now you know how the theologians in their collegiate chairs and philosophies in their controversies occasionally say cruel truths. Let us suppose for the moment that we are theologizing in a social way, or even philosophically, and I will say to you, rude as it may seem, my brother, you sacrifice greatly to, to pride. You may be above others, but above you there is God. Above us also, was Monte Cristo's response, in a tone with such emphasis so deep that Villefort involuntarily shuddered. I have my pride for men, serpents always ready to threaten everyone who would pass without crushing them underfoot, but I lay aside that pride before God, who has taken me from nothing to make me what I am. Then, Count, I admire you, said Villefort, who, for the first time in this strange conversation, used the aristocratic form to the unknown personage, whom until now he had only called Monsieur. Yes, and I say to you, if you are really strong, really superior, really pious, or impenetrable, which you were right in saying amounts to the same thing, then proud, then be proud, sir, for that is the characteristic of predominance. Yet, you have unquestionably some ambition. I have, sir, and what may it be? I too, as happens to every man once in his life, have been taken by Satan into the highest mountain of earth. And when there, he showed me all the kingdoms of the world. And, as he said before, so he said to me, Child of earth, 
what wouldst thou have to make thee adore me? I reflected long, for a gnawing ambition had long preyed upon me, and then I replied, Listen, I have always heard of Providence, and yet I have never seen him. Oh no. Or anything that resembles him. Or which can make me believe that he exists. I wish to be Providence myself, for I feel that the most beautiful, noblest, most sublime thing in the world is to recompense and punish. Satan bowed his head and groaned. You mistake, he said. Providence does not exist. Only you have never seen him. Providence does exist, only you have never seen him, because the child of God is as invisible as the parent. You have seen nothing that resembles him, because he works by secret springs and moves by hidden ways. All I can do for you is make you one of the agents of that providence. The bargain was concluded. I may sacrifice my soul, but what matters it? added Monte Cristo. If the thing were to do again, I would again do it. Villefort looked at Monte Cristo with extreme amazement. Count, he inquired, have you any relations? No, sir, I am alone in the world. So much the worse. Why, asked Monte Cristo. Because then you might witness a spectacle calculated to break down your pride. You say you fear nothing but death. I did not say that I feared it. I only said that death alone could check the execution of my plans. And old age? My end will be achieved before I grow old. And madness? I have been nearly mad, and you know the axiom. Non bis en idiom. It is an axiom of criminal law and, consequently, you understand its full application. Sir, continued Villefort, there is something to fear besides death, old age and madness. For instance, there is apoplexy, that lightning stroke which strikes but does not destroy you, and yet which brings everything to an end. You are still yourself now, and yet you are yourself no longer, and you, who, like Ariel, on the verge of the angelic, are but an inert mass, which, like Caliban, verges on the brutal. And this is called, in human tongues, as I tell you, neither more nor less than apoplexy. Come, if so, you will count, and continue this conversation at my house. Any day you will be willing to see an adversary capable of understanding and anxious to refute you, I will show you my father, Monsieur Nortier de Villefort, the one, one of the most fiery Jacobians of the French Revolution. That is to say, he had the most remarkable audacity, seconded by a most powerful organisation, a man who has not, perhaps, like you, seen all the kingdoms of earth 
but who has helped to overrun one of the greatest. In fact, a man who believed himself, like you, one of the envoys, not of God, but of a supreme being, not of providence, but of fate. Well, sir, the rupture of a blood vessel on the lobe of the brain has destroyed all this. Not in a day, not in an hour, but a second. Monsieur Nautier, who, on the previous night, was the old Jacobin, the old senator, the old Cabanaro, laughing at the guillotine, the cannon and the dagger. Monsieur Nautier, playing with revolutions, for whom France was a giant chessboard from which pawns, rooks and knights and queens were to disappear so that the king was checkmated. Nautier, the redoubtable, was the next morning poor Monsieur Nautier, helpless old man, at the tender mercies of the weakest creature in the household, that is, the grandchild of Valentine. A dumb frozen carcass, in fact, living painlessly on that time may be given for his frame to decompose without his consciousness of its decay. Alas, sir, said Monte Cristo, his, this spectacle is neither strange to my eye nor my thought. I am something of a physician, and I have, like my fellows, sought more than once for the soul in living and dead matter. Yet, like Providence, it has remained invisible to my eyes, although present to my heart. 